69 שנים לאחר שנפלה בקרב, כמעט אלמונית לגמרי. That's the sound from an Israeli TV news report from 2016, describing a long overdue memorial service at the grave of a fallen Jewish soldier at Jerusalem's Mount of Olives Cemetery. Bella Paparovich had been a Holocaust survivor. She'd made her way to Israel, joined Israel's pre-state defense forces, and was killed by snipers in 1947. But with everyone in her immediate family having been victims of the Nazi death camps, her full story lay unknown for nearly 70 years. It was thanks to the genealogical detective work of Israel's Give a Face to the Fallen group, where researchers found some of Bella's distant relatives and organized the ceremony. Israel counts about 25,000 people as having fallen for the country in the years before and during the establishment of the State of Israel and up to now. They're all supposed to have a full biography, a photo, and a complete story on the website of the Israel Defense Force Yisker page, That's why a group of volunteers, including one Canadian from Toronto, is giving faces and identities to about a thousand of the long-ago casualties like Bella, who are Israel's lost and unknown soldiers. How could this be? People who gave their life for Israel and they aren't recognized fully. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, June 10th, 2021. I'm Ellen Besner. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Thursday, June 10th, is the 54th anniversary of the end of the Six-Day War. Nearly 800 Israeli soldiers were killed. For casualties of these more recent wars, like 1967, it's been easier for the Israeli Defense Ministry to create a full memorial page on its website and have all the details on their tombstones. Coming up, we'll meet Toronto-born Stephen Glazer, a social worker and the only Canadian on the team of volunteers working to find the identities and trace the next of kin of those who fell in more distant Israeli military operations. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. From London, Ontario, there's an update to the story we brought you Wednesday about the vigil for the Muslim family killed in the truck attack. We played a clip from an imam whose fiery words about Israel at the end of the vigil at the mosque prompted outrage and condemnation from several Canadian Jewish groups. Now, Dr. Munir El-Kassam says it's been painful to see his words twisted in a moment of what he calls incredible grief. He says he meant to say that families in London know what it feels like for Palestinians who have lost loved ones too. And he says any other interpretations of what he said are potentially defamatory. If you missed it, you can go to the CJN Daily Story yesterday and listen again, or to the cjn.ca website and read the full story. Meanwhile, in Quebec, the provincial government has joined dozens of jurisdictions in more than 30 countries in adopting the IRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, definition of anti-Semitism. In May, the National Assembly of Quebec passed a unanimous motion condemning the rise in anti-Semitic attacks and incidents there in recent weeks. And in Windsor, the Jewish community is throwing its support behind efforts to get the Canada-U.S. border open so Windsor residents can cross into Detroit, Michigan and get the COVID vaccines. The mayor of Windsor has been lobbying Ottawa for this, but so far unsuccessfully. Officials with the Windsor Jewish community say their members have suffered untold mental, financial and educational hardships because of the COVID-related lockdowns. And that includes people who have not been able to see family in a long time, even though they live just on the other side of the bridge in Detroit. <laughs> Israel, 
Stephen Glazer was at that 2016 memorial ceremony for Bella Paparovich. Glazer grew up in Toronto, graduated from the U of T and Laurier with a degree in social work. He moved to Israel in 1979 and has raised his family there. Now retired, Glazer is one of the sleuths for the Israeli agency dedicated to honoring all those who fought and died for the country. He joins me now from his home in Jerusalem. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with the, the NGO La Tate Panim La Noflim. Giving a Face to the Fallen was an organization which was founded by a couple of colleagues of mine, one of whom was a social worker, as I am, in 2013. Uh, it was founded uh, when, uh, during a visit on Yom Hazikaron, on Re- Israel's Remembrance Day, when uh, they visited part of the Mount Herzl Military Cemetery uh, from the 1940s, uh, soldiers who were buried from the 1940s, and they discovered to their dismay that there were many gravestones which were incomplete. It may have had the name on it, but no names of father and mother, no dates that of uh, when they made Aliyah to Israel, uh, no dates when they were born, And there were a number of those. And they said, how could this be? People who gave their life for Israel and they aren't recognized fully. Uh, The Israel Ministry of Defense uh, maintains a website, Yizkor, which has many uh, biographies of each person who fell. It gives their names, their their, uh, when they came on Aliyah, what they did in their lives, names of their parents, their family, all sorts of things. But with our group of a thousand, there is very little. Often there is no name of Abba or Ima, no uh, place, no, no, no knowledge of where they were born, when they were born, uh, no picture. That is a big thing for us, obtaining pictures. You don't have a picture of somebody who fell in the service to Israel? That's horrible. So we do whatever we can. Most of us are genealogists of one degree or another, and we lose, use our genealogical skills and uh, our love of Israel to reach out and find the life story of every single, of, of as many as we can of those about whom very little is known. We should tell people that uh, the reason we know each other is because your father it was a Canadian World War II hero, decorated uh, veteran. And um, because I interviewed your mom and you to help my, write, write my book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think there's any connection between you growing up in a family where uh, a Canadian served in the uh, Second World War to you doing this work on behalf of people who don't have, you know, don't have the recognition? There's no question that, that dad's uh, service uh, for me is a way is some sort of tikkun, some sort of compensation for what I never went through. I mean, I served, I did basic training in Israel and I did miluim, uh, I did reserve duty, but nothing like what dad went through. The truth is in uh, my colleagues, by the way, we have about 80 volunteers in our organization. There are numbers of volunteers in our organization giving a face to the fallen who are doing it because there are some who never knew their fathers. Their fathers were killed before they were born. And some of these colleagues of mine are doing this kind of research in order 
to feel to as a way of compensating for the fact that Abba is no longer was I never knew Abba. I've got to do something that 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 memorializes what he stood for. So what are you currently working on now? Are you allowed to tell us about one of the cases or a couple of cases you're working on now? Uh, we discovered a man, uh, a guy, Schneiderman, uh, who fell. Chaim Schneiderman fell in uh, 1948 after having uh, come from, uh, from Lodz. He, he survived the Holocaust and he came to Israel. And he fell within a very short time in 1948. But on his on his on his matseva on his gravestone, there is no name of his father or mother. We then did some genealogical work to see, wonder who his family were. I mean, he didn't have any. He didn't have. He wasn't married. Wonder if he had any family. And what did we discover? Lo and behold, he had who we suspected was a potential brother in Chicago. We immediately got on the phones, started searching around. We discovered through the internet, basically, that he was no longer living. Labe, Leo Schneiderman. So I got the hold of the phone number of one of Labe or Leo Schneiderman's sons, called him, got in touch with him at his work. Did your father have any brothers and sisters? He said, yeah, he had three brothers and sisters, but they were all killed in the Holocaust. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, uh, Give me their names. So he gave me the names. I said, and Chaim was his brother? He said, yeah. What happened to Chaim? Chaim was killed in Auschwitz. To our knowledge, he didn't survive the war. Well, I said, I think I may have news for you is that uh, he did survive the war and he was killed in Israel. He said to me, you know, Stephen, after I had my conversation with you, I cried. This is a 72-year-old guy telling me this. He says, I cried. He says, you know, my father was a great, was, was one of those people who always talked about the Holocaust. He was interviewed by, by the Spielberg project, but he never knew that his brother fell. At that point, he said to me, you know, Stephen, this was during Corona, so or before Corona, I think we started it. So he said, you know, I'm planning to come to Israel to celebrate my granddaughter's bat mitzvah. I'm coming with the whole family. I said to him, well, Jack, you're going to have something to do here because when you come, God willing, we're going to have a new matseva for your uncle Chaim. We're looking at uh, getting the um, the Misada Bitachon, the Israel Defense Ministry, to uh, put together uh, a new or either correct or put together a new matseva, a new gravestone for Chaim here. And hopefully when... Uh, Chaim, the late Chaim Schneiderman's nephew, comes with his family, we will be able to have a proper Yiskor service, a proper memorial service in memory of his uncle Chaim. I'm speechless with emotion. It's such a beautiful thing that you are doing for this, this memory of the fallen, plus their surviving relatives who you give closure. Yeah, we're giving closure. We're definitely giving closure and... Uh, I can only say after being in touch with Jack and his, uh, I just, I can't, I just can't stop thinking about it. I think you do the legwork. I think you get a little push from upstairs. One of the things which we, which, which, 
really, which really we, we really feel is that there's no such thing as happenstance. It doesn't, it's not bimikre. We all feel that there's something upstairs, somebody, some force, whatever it is, pulling the strings for us. Sometimes we'll even say it's the soldier himself who's pulling the strings. Thank you so, so much for sharing this with us here at the CJN Daily. Thank you very much, Ellen. It was a pleasure to be with you. And I just want to say hello to all my friends in Toronto. Glazer says no Canadians died during the Six-Day War that they know of. There are 40 Canadians on an official list of casualties who have died fighting for Israel or killed in terror attacks over the years. Of the 40 Canadians on the list, 27 were killed in action, including in the 1948 war, the Yom Kippur War, and in Lebanon, and 13 died in terror attacks. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We're working on some really cool episodes in the coming days, including how an Ottawa woman is marking the anniversary of the birthday of Anne Frank this weekend on June 12th. Ellie Bolograf was also a hidden child in Holland during the war, but she survived. And to close the episode, we'll give you a sneak peek from our chat. Anne was a normal, everyday child who was particularly gifted in expressing herself. Some children are not, uh, but she had hope for the future. And, the, and this is what all children want. 